What is up everyone? It's Quinn here. And in this video, I'm going to be going through my week five running back rankings. So going through the top 36 running backs and then splitting these players up into tiers. I'll have the same video, but with the wide receivers up today. Also, if you guys enjoy the video, hit that like button. Any questions, drop them down below. If you're going to give me like a uh, start sit question, just hit me with the scoring format. Helps me give you guys the best answers. Running back position, I feel like looks pretty decent through like the top 24. Once you get to like the mid to back end RB3s, it definitely gets a little bit rough, but that's kind of what'll happen here when we have the four bye weeks in week five. But let's jump into tier one. I'm gonna have four tier one running backs. Gotta start it off with Christian McCaffrey. Even if he's going up against the Cowboys, CMC is locked and loaded the RB1 rest of season. Dude is being treated like a complete workhorse. And as long as he can stay healthy, he is going to have a crazy high running back ceiling. Then we've got Bijan Robinson going up against the Texans, another locked in high end RB1. And then the other two guys in this tier, Tony Pollard and Josh Jacobs. I know Pollard has a tough matchup against the 49ers, but his workload through four weeks has been pretty crazy. He hasn't necessarily hit like being crazy efficient or in the touchdown department, but if he maintains this workload, he will deliver you that high-end RB1 production. And then Josh Jacobs had a really strong workload through the first three weeks, just didn't get into the end zone and was pretty inefficient. He finally had a big game in week four. I'm just gonna keep firing that workload up as a locked-in RB1. Then shifting into tier two, these are gonna be like your mid to back-end RB1s. Got Travis Etienne, Saquon Barkley, Brian Robinson, Derrick Henry, JT, DeAndre Swift, Joe Mixon, and David Montgomery. Travis Etienne, not coming off a great game, but his usage has been strong. Not a great matchup against the Bills, but I think the Jaguars are a solid offense. As long as Etienne maintains his current role, he's going to be an RB1. Saquon, since he was doubtful heading into the Monday night game, it seemed like throughout the week he had a shot, like he wasn't ruled out way early on. I do think he probably plays here against the Dolphins, even though the Giants offense has just looked terrible. I still think Saquon Barkley is going to get his. He's going to be involved as a pass catcher, and he's still going to be an RB1. Then after Saquon, I'm going to have Brian Robinson. And if you told me prior to week one that four weeks or five weeks into the NFL season, I would have Brian Robinson ranked in between Saquon Barkley and Derrick Henry, I would have told you you were lying. It seems crazy to have him here as a mid-tier RB1, but the matchup is so good here against the Bears. He's clearly the commander's RB1, and this is likely going to be the perfect game script for him. First off, the Bears' defense is terrible, both stopping the pass and stopping the run, so he should have an efficient day, but they're also like touchdown favorites, so they're probably going to be ahead, be able to run the ball out. This isn't going to be an Antonio Gibson game script. So it may seem crazy to have him here ahead of guys like Derrick Henry, Jonathan Taylor, like locked in RB1s, but I think it's fair. And I mean, really, if you have any of these guys, like these RB1s, they're going to be in your lineup anyway. Derrick Henry had a nice bounce back game. I still think there are reasonable concerns there, but I also still think he's a weekly RB1. Then I have JT here, and there's no guarantee that JT plays. If you guys are going out trying to make trades for JT, I would just make sure we have some confirmation that he is going to play, right? We don't want to get, you know, stuck with something where he's returning to practice, but he's still holding out and then he's not going to get traded. Like you don't want to give up a ton and get stuck in that situation. But if Jonathan Taylor, if the Colts tell us he's playing, he says he's playing, I just fire him up as an RB1, even though Zach Moss has been really solid in three games, um, you know, kind of taking over the starting workload. If they get Jonathan Taylor back, I think they're going to feed him. It is a bad matchup here against the Titans, but 
it's Jonathan Taylor. He's got to be in your lineups. Then we have DeAndre Swift definitely pulled away from uh, Kenneth Gainwell in that backfield. I think he's like a back-end RB1, high-end RB2 rest of season. Then we have Joe Mixon and David Montgomery. Mixon with a much better matchup this week going up against the Cardinals. And then David Montgomery had to make the swap with him and Jameer Gibbs. He is handling a massive workload. Not sure if he's going to maintain this throughout the entire season. Obviously, it's going to come down a little bit because his carry per game number is just pretty unsustainable. But I do think Jameer Gibbs still has the potential to start to eat into it. But I mean, at this point, He's locked into a huge workload. He's getting that red zone work on a really strong offense. So he's an RB1 for me this week and a plus matchup here going up against the Panthers. Now shifting into tier three, these are going to be like your high-end RB2s into your mid-tier RB2s. I'm actually going to start it off with Devon Achan here. I'm a big fan of Achan rest of season. It seems like some people think his production's kind of fluky or he's not going to hold on to this role. And, you know, anything could happen in this backfield, right? Maybe he loses the, you know, his role in this committee. I just think with what we've seen out of him, right, he's played pretty much two games where he's been very involved in this backfield, and he's just been a total monster through two weeks. If they go out and Jeff Wilson comes back this week and Mike McDaniel's going to go out and take away touches from Devon Achan and give them to Jeff Wilson, I mean, that would just seem like malpractice at the uh, head coaching position. Achan has been crazy explosive. He's a big play machine. Um, we even saw last week, right, him and Mostert were in a split. He was still leading in the snaps. He was leading in routes run. He was way more effective with his opportunities. So really, I feel like Achan could be a running back one rest of season. He's never going to be a massive workload guy. So that's why I'm not really concerned about this staying as like a committee. Like when we were drafting him in redraft, I was very high on him heading into the season. And the main reason was that even though he's a smaller back, He's not going to have 20 opportunities a game. This was the perfect offense for him to thrive in because he has that big play upside paired with Mike McDaniel. We know he loves the speed. So it was just a perfect match there. So he will be a uh, high-end running back too for me this week. And I do think he's the much better option compared to Raheem Mostert rest of season. Behind Achan, we have uh, Alvin Kamara. First game back, not super efficient as a pass catcher, but I mean, Derek Carr was just peppering him with targets. I was surprised we didn't get much of Kendra Miller or Tony Jones. Definitely could have been a game script thing, but it also seems like they're comfortable using Kamara, you know, pretty heavily in that backfield. So he's going to be a high-end RB2. He probably will be a little bit capped just playing in the Saints offense, but volume is king at the running back position. Behind Kamara, I have uh, Kyron Williams here. A few things for Kyron Williams that makes him a little bit lower than he would be. He is banged up heading into this game, so we're not sure if he is going to play. And even if he does play, is Sean McVay going to throw him out there for 50-plus snaps like he has through the first four weeks? Also a tough matchup here against the Eagles. So I definitely still think he's startable. We'll monitor that injury throughout the week, but that's why he's probably a little bit lower than you may have been expecting um, here in this video. Then we're going to have James Cook. Weird kind of shakeup in usage. He got the goal line work, but then lost out on the third down snaps and then some of the two-minute drill work. We'll see how it shakes out. I mean, it's probably going to be a wash, right, because they'll have more touchdown upside, a little bit less receiving work. Still a really strong weekly RB2. Then we've got Ramondre here down at uh, RB17. Definitely a tough start to the season for Ramondre. I'm definitely not full-blown panicking. I think the fact that the Patriots' offense is struggling is kind of a hit to him, right? Because it's going to limit his touchdown upside. It's going to limit his efficiency. But he is still seeing a really solid workload. He is still clearly the RB1 ahead of Zeke. Now, maybe that starts to slip. Personally, I think he'll 
hold on to that RB1 role. And as long as he maintains his current workload, better days are going to be ahead. Maybe he's not going to be a locked in weekly RB1, but I definitely think he could kind of work back to that at this point. Then we're going to have Aaron Jones, um, pretty limited workload in his first game back, but it's been a week and a half since that Thursday night game. I believe he plays on Monday night going up against the Raiders. So I think he's locked back in here as you know an RB2 play. And then the final guy in this tier, James Conner, super strong usage. The uh, Cardinals have looked better than pretty much everyone expected through four weeks. Like him as a mid to, I mean, honestly, just depending on matchup, somewhere in like the RB2 range. Now shifting into tier four, I'm going to start it off here with Brees Hall. And some people may not love this ranking considering how rough he's been as like a, you know, fantasy option in weeks two through four. But this really just seems like a screaming breakout opportunity for him here. Going up against the Broncos, they have given up by far the most fantasy points to the running back position. A big reason why Brees Hall really hasn't been a solid fantasy option is that the Jets' offense has just not been good. They haven't been running a ton of plays, so his workload has been suffering, and then there's also no efficiency because teams haven't been respecting the pass. We've got a few positive things heading into the game. The matchup is one of them. It's also a plus matchup for Zach Wilson, who looked significantly better in week four than we had seen through the first three weeks. So if they can get some balance going in this offense, Brees Hall, four games into the season, we should see that workload start to bump up here. I do think this could be his breakout, and I do like him as a uh, running back two this week. Running back 21, I have Jameer Gibbs. I'm still in on Jameer Gibbs for the long haul, like rest of season. I think people are way panicking, calling him like a real-life NFL bust four weeks in. He still has a lot of opportunities to improve on that role. And even if he is locked into the DeAndre Swift role at this point, that is still an RB2 weekly role in this Lions backfield, like the matchup here against the Panthers. So this is where I have him slotted in. Then we have Raheem Mostert. I talked about how I prefer Devon Achan at this point, but I still think this is going to be somewhat of a split between these two. Even if Achan is leading, Raheem Mostert still is going to have weekly value as an RB2 just because this offense is so impressive. Then we're going to have Isaiah Pacheco going up against the Vikings. He did make a pretty solid stand in terms of taking some opportunities in that backfield in week four. The main concern I still have here with Isaiah Pacheco is we know a lot of his work is going to come on the ground. He has been somewhat involved as a pass catcher, which is encouraging, but the big kind of indictment for Pacheco has been his lack of involvement on the goal line. He is not their go-to back there. First off, they really just don't like to run the ball on the goal line in the first place. And so you have Jerick McKinnon out there a lot. They'll also just filter in CEH on the goal line, which obviously has to be frustrating if you roster Pacheco. So that is why I'm probably a little bit lower on him than consensus, but I still do have him as a uh, RB2. And then to finish up tier four and to finish up the RB2s, I have Damian Pierce. Pierce has definitely been disappointing through four weeks, but I do think we could see things start to kind of turn around here in week five and over the next couple of weeks. It does seem like that O-line is getting healthy. I think they have the opportunity to get a few of those starters back on that line here in week five. If that can happen, even though his receiving workload is capped, if he can become way more efficient on the ground, this offense gets an offensive line. With how C.J. Stroud has looked, with how Nico Collins and Tank Dell and Robert Woods have played, this could be a pretty solid unit, and that could really help Damian Pierce out fantasy-wise because he can still give you even high-end RB2 production as like an efficient runner getting goal line work. It's just when he's inefficient and not getting a ton of uh, touchdown opportunities, that's when he's going to be a rough start for you. So I think better days are going to be ahead here for Damian Pierce. And then this is kind of where the running backs start to get a little bit rough. 
three tier five running backs. It's going to be Miles Sanders, Alexander Madison, and Khalil Herbert. All these guys in like somewhat ambiguous splits this week. Sanders, if he was healthy, would be a tier four guy, but he's dealing with a groin injury. Him and Chuba Hubbard are splitting opportunities pretty evenly. He's still getting the more valuable touches like the uh, third downs and the goal line work, or maybe it was the uh, two minute drill work, but he's getting more receiving opportunities and he's getting the touchdown upside in this backfield when they're splitting, but he's still limited. So it's not a great role, high-end RB3. Then we have Alexander Madison, still maintain control of that backfield with Cam Akers making his Vikings debut. But I think they've talked about riding the hot hand. You know, if Madison struggles, maybe they roll with Cam Akers. So I still think Madison is the better option, but definitely not someone I'm super excited to throw into my lineup. Then we have Khalil Herbert. Some people may think this is low, For me, I just don't have a ton of confidence that this new Khalil Herbert workload is going to stick. Like through three weeks, they're in a pretty even split. All of a sudden, Khalil Herbert goes out. They go up early against the the Broncos, and they just roll with Khalil Herbert. I think this could have been a spot where it's like the offense was operating so well, they just wanted to stick with Khalil Herbert and let it ride. Going up against the commanders here, being seven-point underdogs, this kind of feels like a game that favors Roshan Johnson because through four weeks, he's been the guy that's been in there when they're trailing. We saw week one, they went down a ton. Roshan Johnson was getting in there. So I still think Herbert's the better option, but I'm not totally sold that he's just locked in as like the workhorse of this backfield and Roshan Johnson isn't going to be involved. So that's tier five. Then tier six, getting pretty gross here. We have Gus Edwards going up against the Steelers. He operated as the Ravens clear RB1 in week four. Does that stick? Who knows? Justice Hill was the better option early on. Then Hill goes down with injury. Gus Edwards took over. Justice Hill wasn't super involved in the week four game. So we'll see. He could lead this backfield. It could turn into a gross split again. Then we have back-to-back Steelers running backs here in that same matchup with Gus Edwards. I have Jalen Warren ranked ahead of Najee Harris. He's outproduced him so far in uh, PPR scoring. I think it honestly might be in every scoring format. He's more involved as a pass catcher. Najee's been inefficient. The lack of receiving work for Najee has really just tanked his um, fantasy value. This is not an offense that's putting up a lot of touchdown opportunities. So both these guys are like mid-tier RB3s for me. At running back 31, I have Jaleel McLaughlin for the uh, Broncos going up against the Jets. If Javante Williams misses this game, McLaughlin should be the guy. Um, Samaje Piran should be involved, but it does seem like Sean Payton really wants to get him involved. So I would take him over Samaje Piran this week. Um, and then wrapping up this tier with Chuba Hubbard, like I said, pretty close to a 50-50 split with Miles Sanders. Also has the upside of Sanders just potentially missing this game. Maybe they want to get him healthy. Then he probably jumps up into that um, somewhere in like the RB2 range for this week. And then the final tier, these are running backs who are probably going to be on like the downside of a split this week. Roshan Johnson, Tyler Algier, Justice Hill, and Samaje Piran. Definitely wouldn't love these guys in my lineup. If you're like setting your flex and you're looking at these guys, I'd probably prefer to just roll with the wide receiver because there's just way more depth at that position. But that's going to wrap it up for my top 36 running backs. If you all enjoyed, hit that like button. I'll have my wide receiver video out today also. As always, thank you for stopping by and I will see you in the next one.